Today we start a season, a four-week season that we call Advent, and this isn't just something we do, but Christians around the world are starting this season called Advent. It is a beautiful season. It is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So that means that, yeah, Christmas is coming up that quickly. Today, three more Sundays, and then boom, Monday morning, December 25th, Christmas is here. And so people all around the world and our church is getting into this season. And what is this season about? We're going to talk about that a little bit here today. Sometimes you might be wondering what this season's all about. I was wondering if somebody came from Mars, if that was a possibility, and just watched our lives during this season, what they would conclude this season is all about. And they might say, you know, from watching these people during this month of December, getting ready for this Christmas day, this season is about shopping. Or they might say that this season is about decorating. Maybe you're doing some of that. Maybe this season is about baking cookies. Uh, they might conclude that this, did I already mention that this season might be about shopping? Okay, uh, they might conclude that. Or if somebody was watching me and my family yesterday, they'd say, wait a second, this is very weird that on a cold, blustery, rainy day that this family would leave their nice warm house, they'd go out into the woods and find a beautiful tree that is growing there, they would chop it down bring it into their house to slowly watch it die for the rest of the month. Like, what is up with this? What's behind this season? What is this season all about? And so if you were from Mars, and I know that none of you are, though some of you, I wonder every once in a while, is this season about craziness? Is it about frustration? Is it about overcommitment? What is it? Simply put down, and, and take some notes if you would today, the word Advent means coming. It means that something is coming. It's just a word meaning coming regardless to its context, but the idea is something is coming. For us, we're looking at the coming of Jesus. And so around the world today, people are getting ready for this Christmas season in this season called Advent, the coming of Jesus. It's where we consider Jesus, how he came. It's for us a season to prepare our hearts and our minds for December 25th. It's such a big day. It's such a beautiful story. There's no way you just want to jump in on December 24th or 25th and say, let's get into the story. Too late by then. We want to get into this a few weeks in advance to consider this great story that the greatest being ever Jesus Christ, God who has existed all time, takes on humanity. It's an amazing and true story. And so we just want to get into this for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. We've been using this word Advent for the month of November with a phrase called Advent Conspiracy. And what we're doing is saying, let's tell the story that Jesus came. He was a God of compassion, and he showed compassion. And so we are showing that same compassion this next week. And you see it on the back of your worship program, a schedule of where we're moving some of the food and blankets here into our gymnasium and starting to sort that out. And then mornings for moms will do some work on Wednesday, and some of you will bring cookies into the office. I won't eat them, I promise. All right, you'll bring them in because on Friday we're going to package up all those boxes and we're going to wrap up all those cookies and Saturday we'll distribute those and 
And the idea is we want to tell this Christmas story that Jesus came, that Jesus came. Over the last two weeks, you were with us. We took a special offering for our Advent conspiracy. Somebody again just asked me yesterday, where are we at? And I'm like, just wait till Sunday. And so let me tell you that after two weeks, and our goal was $25,000 above, above our regular offerings, that our special offering has totaled to this date $27,349. It's amazing to show compassion in our community and to a community in Mexico and to a church and a school in Sierra Leone, West Africa. And, and so we've sent some money over to start digging a water well at an orphanage there. And so if you want to give to that, you can still give to that today. You can certainly get involved in the Christmas compassion work. But all this is part of the advent of Jesus, that Jesus came. You see, there was a time... When people were saying, okay, wait a second, God said that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior, and we are waiting for his coming. We're waiting, we're waiting. He's coming, he's coming. We know he's coming, but it's been a while. When's he going to come? We look back on that and say, oh yeah, that happened in Bethlehem. We understand that. But we also know that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again, and, and he will take those who have placed their faith in his son. He says, oh, let's go up and hang out for all eternity. Jesus says that I'm preparing a place for you right now. If you would trust me, I'm going to come back for you. I'm coming a second time. And so we are sitting here waiting and waiting. When are you coming, Jesus? When are you coming? And he says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. But while we're waiting, there's another idea of waiting for us, is that Jesus wants to come fresh, even today. Catch this. He wants to come fresh to you, even today. Because he says, I want to come again and again and again and again in your life. And the question is, are you ready for this today? Are you ready? Because Jesus would say, today I want to come into your heart again in a fresh way. Are you ready or are you just like, well, I'll wait till December 24th or I'll wait till the day I die? Or are you ready today like, oh, Jesus, come on, come to me in a fresh way today. Anybody ready for this? Just give me a woo. I almost believe that you want that. <laughs> Jesus wants to come today in a fresh way to every single one of us. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 8. Basically right there in the middle of your Bible, Isaiah chapter 8, page 572, if you want to use this Bible, sitting in front of you. Let's look at the Christmas story. As you're turning there, I'm finding out that the older I get, the more I'm appreciating the Christmas story in greater ways. Because the Christmas story has relevance to my life like right now, today. It has relevance in my life tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'm finding this out the older I get. Now, when I was a kid, Christmas just meant a few things. It meant toys. Right? I was loving Christmas because toys are coming, football is coming. I might get a new football, get to play football with my brother. Here's a little picture of us, man, on probably Christmas morning with our new football just hanging out, man. We were so adorable. You know, it meant Christmas with family. Though I was looking at this one, I was like, why did my mom and dad let me sit on that guy's lap? That is freaky. Yeah, I probably 
needed counseling for that one. But anyway, Christmas, when I was a kid, it was about toys, and it was about family, and it was about all of these good things and some new clothes and things like that. All those are still good. But the older I get, I appreciate the story more. Now, don't get me wrong. I still like presents. I expect my family to get me some presents. Son, if you're listening on the website, yes, I still want a present from you this Christmas. All right. That was just for my son who lives in Washington. But, yeah, I I want this still. But I am finding myself loving this story in greater ways. And I want to share some of this with you today because the Christmas story is so deep. It is good. It's not just Mary and Joseph, though we'll talk about them. It's not just shepherd and angels and wise men. We'll talk about them. But there's so much background to this story. And catch this, there is relevance to the story. I would hope that you wouldn't think, yeah, 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 yeah. I know the Christmas story. I've read it before. Listen, there is relevance in the Christmas story for you today, for you tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and for you in January. And we're going to look at some of this. And as we look into this Christmas story again for the next four Sundays, I am praying and hoping that God would open your eyes to this great story and to the relevance that it brings to your life every single day, if you would allow it. So let's start with this question today. When and where does the Christmas story begin? When and where does the Christmas story begin? Sometimes we think that it might begin on Thanksgiving Day with the Macy's Day Parade. It's like, oh man, we're getting all festive and we're thinking about toys or Black Friday the very next day and shopping. Is that when Christmas begins? Or we'd say, okay, well, according to the Bible, maybe it begins in Bethlehem when Jesus is born. Or does it start nine months earlier when the angel says, Mary, you're going to have God's son Where does the Christmas story start long before that? And I want to look at a place where the Christmas story could potentially start. And let's consider this today. That it starts 750 B.C. That's a long time back. 750 B.C. Let me tell you what's going on in the nation of Israel, 750 B.C. Because I'd like you to consider that maybe the Christmas story starts there. 750 B.C., there's this nation called Israel, and God has done much for this nation of Israel. King David, keep this name in mind if you would, he's the king during their glory years, and his son Solomon. But shortly after that, the kingdom divides and splits. There's a northern kingdom, and it has its capital in Samaria, and you read this in the books of First and Second Kings, some of these kings, and they were evil kings. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for generations, these were just messed up people. Down south, there was this group called Judah, and they had their capital in Jerusalem. And for the most part, these people followed the Lord, and, and there's God's blessing on these people. But the northern people, they are very messed up. And so when you read about Israel and Judah, you You see some of this evil and trying to follow the ways of the Lord. When we get to chapter 8 of Isaiah, we read that God's word came to a man named Isaiah. He's speaking to this nation of Israel that is going to be taken captive. The northern country is going to be taken captive. And God says, you go ahead and tell them, I'm allowing Assyria to come in and take them captive because of their sins. 
For generations they have ignored me. For generations they have done detestable things in my eyes. You just tell them, Isaiah, that they are going to be swept away by the evil Assyrians. Just tell them they're going into captivity, if you would. And this is where we pick up our story today in Isaiah chapter 8, because I really think this is the start of the Christmas season. You're like, man, I don't hear it yet, but let me just follow along, if you would. Start at verse 21. Even some of your Bibles at the start of chapter 8 say something about uh, that this nation is going to be conquered by a Syrian or an invasion. But verse 21, follow along if you would. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. Verse 22, and they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. That doesn't sound very good right there. Verse 22, distress, darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they'll be thrust into thick darkness. I think the Christmas story starts this way, and the Christmas story starts in darkness. Would you write this down and consider this with me today? So we talk about this Christmas story over the next few weeks, that the Christmas story starts in darkness. You and I typically don't like darkness. Some of you even thought, how come they're not turning the lights on in here? I'm having a hard time reading my Bible. We just don't like darkness. I woke up this morning and was reminded, I really don't like darkness. Because as I'm getting ready into a dark house, I'm thinking, do not stub your toe. It hurts. We've been there, done that. It's no fun. Also, keep an eye out for the cat. Just, you know, and, and so I just kind of walk in the darkness like, if you're there, cat, I'm gonna, I'd rather kick you than step on you. And then this morning, I was like, oh, oh, wait a second, there's a Christmas tree there. Do not knock it over. We don't like darkness. But when we talk about Israel's darkness, we're talking about the darkness of captivity. These people had been, are going to be taken captive. And they were taken captive. There's great darkness with that. It's like, man, we're not at home anymore. Imagine that, if you would. Someone comes in and they take you, take you out of your home, out of your homeland, and say, you become our property now. Much darkness. It's discouraging. It's defeating. And yet, I, I look at this and I see this is really where the Christmas story, this is one of the places it begins. And we'll see this morning that the promised Son of God was spoken to the nation of Israel who was in darkness. This nation's in darkness. They have rebelled against God. This uh, Captivity is going to take place. They are going to be a nation in darkness. A darkness of captivity taken from their homes. As they look at this, it's a spiritually dark time. Frankly, it's an emotionally dark time. Look at verse 22 again, if you would. Underline some of these words if you are an underliner. Distress, darkness, the gloom of anguish. As I was looking at that again this week, and, and I thought about the nation of Israel, I couldn't help but think about us. I thought, wait a second, this really could be a picture of us as well. Certainly this is a historical event that took place, but wait a second, th these words might describe us. Distress, darkness, gloom of anguish. Just this week, and it was getting quite overwhelming, I just heard some news that was distressing. It was dark. 
caused me to gloom. I'm like, more cancer? Really? More relational strain? Oh, just, and I'm looking out, and I know a very small percentage of what you were going through, and yet what I heard was, this is us. This is a story of us. Darkness. Now, you and I are told that this Christmas story, in the next few weeks, Christmas is supposed to be bright and cheerful, filled with joy and happiness. Like, woohoo, what a great season. But sometimes our lives and our hearts are experiencing gloom of anguish, distress, and darkness. Now, I know that I've been called a party pooper at times or that I've been called Scrooge. And it's like, no, I'm not just trying to be Scrooge today. I'm not just trying to be a party pooper. and Like, oh, Scott, we had a beautiful morning of worship. The lights are out. And then you're just talking about distress and darkness. But wait a second. How many of you, just let me just, don't raise your hand. Just kind of nod if this is you. How many of you in the midst of the beauties of trees and decorating and lights and all of this are actually hurting this morning in one sense or another. You're hurting this morning. You, you brought some baggage with you even to this building. And this is maybe why you came this morning. You said, I have some baggage and I just want to lay it before God again. And you might call it distress or darkness, the gloom of anguish. Because I, I think that many of us, if not all of us, are experiencing this to some degree. And the Christmas story, we will see, began in darkness for Israel, but it also begins in darkness for us, for you and me. As we get ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I I want you to consider some of your own darkness. And this is because of sin. Sin does a number on us. Sin did a number on the nation of Israel. This is why they're being taken captive. This is why our world is broken, sin. This is why there are problems in relationships. This is why our bodies are falling apart. We just live in a broken world. And there's a darkness of captivity. Maybe you're this morning being captive to fear. You're like, I I just feel like I'm locked up in fear. Maybe you're captive to loneliness this morning. Maybe you're captive to destructive behaviors like, man, I just cannot kick this. Or someone in my family, their destructive behaviors, they're they're holding us hostage. Maybe you're captive to a broken body in a broken world. This is what the nation of Israel is going through. They're going through their darkness. And I'd like to say that you and I are experiencing that to some degree as well. But go, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And it says this, but, but it's not just but, it's like, but, all right, I'd like you to say this with me, it's not just but, it's but, with a glimmer of hope in there, I want you to say it with me, but, do you hear the hope in there, come on, say it with a little bit of hope, but. Now, there's gloom and distress and darkness and all that, but there will be, follow along as I read this, there will be no gloom, oh, you can underline that, for her who was in anguish. Woo, this is sounding good. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. You can look on your Bible maps, and he's talking about the northern kingdom. These are the ones that the Assyrians are going to take. But in the latter time, he has made glorious 
the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Here's the idea. Something good was happening. God was starting to write a story, a very redemptive story. He was making a great plan to rescue, a plan of celebration. And Isaiah says, but... Let me ask you this. Do you like surprises? Do you like planning a surprise for somebody? I'm trying to do that this Christmas, do some planning of surprises. I'm not really great at it, but I like to do it. And I know that others will do that in my family for each other, for me. And they want to keep it secret to some degree. They want to give a little glimpse of what's going on. But God's doing this. He goes, oh, I know there's distress and despair and darkness and gloom of anguish. But something good is going on. Isaiah Isaiah sees a brighter day. Look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Isaiah is saying, I can see it coming. It's coming. And although there was darkness brought into their life by sin, there will be light. Oh, Isaiah says, I can see it coming. I know there was doom. I know there was despair. I know there was darkness. But light is coming. As God was writing a redemptive story, it's going to be good. Isaiah sees a brighter day. Go to verse 3, if you would. He says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Underline joy. They rejoice. There's a similar word. Before you as with joy. There it is again at the harvest. As they are glad then when they divide the spoil. Wait a second. I thought these people were in distress and darkness and the gloom of anguish. He's like, no, 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 no. I can see it. Joy is coming. I can see it. Although there is darkness brought on by their sin, there will be joy. All right. Isaiah started getting excited. He says, oh, it's been dark, but there will be light. There will be joy. I'm getting, I'm seeing some of this. God's got a plan in this. It's going to be good. Isaiah sees this brighter day. Go to verse 4 if you would. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. You and I read that and go, okay, whatever. These people, they're like, wait a second. Like in the day of Midian, we know our history. Write this down. You read this this week. Judges chapter 7. You read how God rescued, how God miraculously saved his people. They're saying, wait, like in Midian? Really? One of those days? Verse 5, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah says, I can see it coming. Although there's been darkness brought into their life by sin, there will be victory. Write this down. He says, oh, there was darkness, but I can see light, and I can see joy, and I can see victory that God is bringing about. Oppression will be broken. Bloody messes will be burned up and 
thrown away. But God here is writing a redemptive story, and it's going to be good. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 6. He sees a brighter day, and then he says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Would you just consider those words to us? It says to us a child is born. To us. They're like, what? To us? The ones in captivity? The, the ones whose sins really ruined it for us? I mean, we're in darkness. We have really messed up. We don't deserve anything. To us? Yeah, to you. To us, the captive, something good is coming? Oh, yeah. To us, in darkness, something good is coming? Yeah. Look at verse 6 again. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders. He's going to rule. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll go over those names. I know that the last month we were looking at a bunch of names of God. And we're going to look at some of those in the next two weeks. But Isaiah says, with this light, with this joy, with this victory, a counselor is coming. One who will care for you. Powerful, strong, kingly God is coming for you. Yeah. You need to know that a father who will give everlasting life is coming for you. The one who's going to bring peace and shalom and wholeness into your life. He's coming for you. This is good. Verse 7, follow along. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, and they're like, oh, wait a second. We've heard covenants about this. Those were some glory days. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness From this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Lord of hosts quickly is the name Yahweh Sebaoth. The God of the angel armies. The God who has all of this behind him. He is coming and his zeal and his passion is going to accomplish all of this. He will bring the light. He will bring the joy. He will bring the victory. And Isaiah says, I see it coming. Although there was darkness brought on by your sin, there's going to be a sun. There's going to be a sun. Light and joy and victory and a sun. And God is writing this redemptive story in the darkness of captivity. In the darkness of their life, he's writing this redemptive story and says, Oh, it's a good story. Story of light and joy and victory. And it includes a son. It's going to be good. We know this to mean Jesus who will rule in a new and an eternal kingdom. Kingdom of peace and shalom. A kingdom where justice rules the day. Where all wrongs will be made right. Israel hears that and they're like, bring it home, baby. We want this. When's it happening? And they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. And they wait, and they wait for 750 years. And some of them still miss it at that point. We have the luxury of looking back and go, okay, he came. We see this. This is good. 
And for Jesus, who, who came into our darkness, he comes with light and joy and victory. And so in one sense, we're still waiting. Jesus, when are you going to make things right? I'm walking around in darkness. My body is falling apart. My relationships are crumbling. I'm living in this broken world. I feel like a captive. What do I have to do? And he says, oh, I'm bringing some light and joy. I'm bringing all of this. I'm bringing victory. But you're going to have to wait a little bit. Now certainly for those of us who've seen Oh, Jesus is this light, and he brings all this. And we've said, Jesus, I believe in you. Then we have been included into his family by faith, and yet I still need more light, Jesus, at times. I need joy at times. I'm not feeling the victory right now. Jesus says, wait, I'm coming again. I'm at work right now. Don't lose sight of this. I'm working. As we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you a few questions today to, again, make this relevant to us. Because the nation of Israel, they're hearing that, and it's like, man, that, that's good news. Well, let's talk about us for a minute here as we look at this story. As we start this Christmas season together, as we start the Advent season together, let me ask you this question. Where am I experiencing darkness? Would you write this down and consider this? Where are you experiencing darkness? Where are you experiencing gloom, anguish, distress? Like, man, I feel captive to my fears because of this. Or I feel captive to these problems. Or I'm just having a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. Whether it's a depression or just a... Another problem that comes my way or this big, massive mountain in front of me. What, where am I experiencing darkness? And as you consider that, and some of you write that down, I'm going to ask you this. Will you start on a journey, even today? Will you start on a journey of hoping in the Son of God? The one sent to bring light. The one sent to bring joy. The one sent to bring victory. Now, maybe it's very, for the very first time you say, okay, I'm going to let this Jesus in because I've walked my whole life without joy and without this light and without victory. I, I must need something. I'm going to try Jesus. Okay, great. Start your journey even today. But for some of us who have known Jesus, a lot of our lives or a little of our lives, it doesn't matter, but will you even start a journey today saying, I'm sick and tired of living in this darkness? I'm not going to let darkness win today or tomorrow or the next day. Jesus came to bring light. I am going to allow him to show me that light. I'm going to trust in him for joy. I'm going to trust in him for victory. Will you start? Will you start a journey of hoping in the Son of God? Let me ask you a second question then. Is this, will I choose to hope and wait for Jesus? Will I choose to hope? And wait. Nation of Israel sat there and, "Mm, really? This sounds really good. Okay, you're going to put your hope in this. Put your hope in this God. And you're going to wait. He's going to be at work. And probably not in the timing you like. But Jesus, he came to show his glorious light. 
as we get ready for this Christmas day and all the fun that goes along with this, will you choose to hope and wait for Jesus? Or say, you know what, I just can't handle the darkness anymore. I'm going to go find my own light. I'll tell you, that's not the answer. Hope and wait for Jesus to show light. You're saying, man, I got no joy right now. I'm going to look for a different way to find joy. Don't do it. Will you hope and wait for Jesus to show you joy? Like, I'm not seeing any victory in my life. I'm really struggling, so I'm going to try to do something that I'm pretty victorious at, whatever that might be. Don't go there. Hope and wait for Jesus to bring this victory to you. He came to show you his glorious light. He came to offer you a great joy. He came to secure for you an eternal victory. Will I choose to hope and wait for Jesus? Can you see him coming? When it's dark, it's hard to see him coming. Without faith, it's impossible to see him coming. But if you look in faith and say, okay, God, I, I, I hope in you. I'll trust in you. I'll wait in you. He will give you eyes of faith to say, oh, yeah, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming with light and joy and some victory. I might not get everything I want. In fact, you, you won't right here, right now. But do you see him coming? This is my prayer that you would and I would be people of faith say, I see him coming. I know what news I just got, and that stinks. That feels like darkness and distress. But I see him coming, and it's good. And I'm feeling no joy right now, but, but I see him coming, and he's producing joy in me. And I'm feeling really beat up, but wait a second. I see him coming, and he's, he's bringing me victory. And I know he did this because 2,000 years ago, he, he brought this through his son. He's on the move. He's working in your life. Don't lose sight of that. He's on the move. He's working in your life. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus is on the move and he's working in your life. Don't lose sight of that. I'm going to say it this time just for me. Scott, don't forget Jesus is on the move. He's working in your life. I heard this. This line this week, and I just thought, I want to put it on our, your notes, and I want to say it to you. God, if you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. <laughs> if you're not done working, I'm not done waiting. And he's not done working. This is why this story is so beautiful. It's relevant. God is not done working. He wasn't done working with that nation, and he's not done working with you and me. And if he's not done working, then we're not done waiting. You hang in there. You look. And he will bring light and joy and victory. He's done it before. He's doing it now. And he will do it again completely. I'm just going to ask that you bow your heads with me and reflect for a moment. Because I know that we are a people that feel distress and darkness Anguish, gloom, 
that's probably right where God wants us. To say, if you're there, then you can see the purpose of Christmas. You can see the purpose of why I sent my son. To be light to you. For all time, but even now. Even now. To bring joy to you, even now. To bring victory to you, even now. Heavenly Father, as I look at this story again, and, and I just confess, I, I've missed Christmas for far too long, just thinking it was about these fun blessings you give. But it's bigger than that. It has relevance for me on December 3rd and December 4th and December 5th and every day. And as you allow darkness and distress, and I say it stinks, you, you probably agree with that, but you have a purpose. That the light shines brighter when it is dark. That the joy is more real when there is distress. The victory is greater when it feels like there was defeat. And so God, I ask for myself, for my brothers and sisters, that you would help us this season to take our darkness and our distress to you. And that you would show us that you are a God of light and joy and victory. And we know that because we saw that at your birth. We know that because we saw that with the cross and the resurrection. And as we go to communion together today, God, I ask that you even make this time a fresh time. Where you would meet us new. That you would come again in a fresh way to our hearts. Thank you today for today. Thank you for this story. Thank you for being the God of light. It's in Jesus' name.